Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Remember last year when it seemed like workers all around the country were going on strike? Everyone from the coffee slingers at Starbucks to healthcare workers at Kaiser? That spring, workers at the Chevron Richmond Refinery went on strike for the first time in 40 years, demanding higher pay and safer working conditions. Now, the union representing those workers says, some people have lost their jobs for being on the picket line. You're just asking for a little dignity and a little relief from a corporation that is just raking in billions upon billions upon dollars. USW5 says at least five refinery workers in Richmond are out of a job for their roles in the walkout last year. And now they've filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board. Today, Life after the strike for Richmond refinery workers. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Ted, can you remind us why Chevron workers in Richmond went on strike last spring? Earlier than the spring... The local unions at refineries nationwide were involved in sort of larger framework talks with the nation's largest oil companies. Ted Goldberg is the supervising senior editor for KQED News. The basic national framework was reached between, you know, companies like Chevron and Marathon and their units across the country. But then that basically meant that After that larger framework was reached, the local units and the local refineries would have to work out the details. At the beginning of the year, I got word that not everything was going well with the talks involving Chevron's Richmond Refinery and their local union, the United Steelworkers Local 5. And there was some indication that there might be a strike fairly early on. In March, They decided to go off the job. That was because they felt the national framework did not fit their situation. As we all know, living in the Bay Area is much more expensive than many other parts of the country. And USW Local 5 also felt like Chevron wasn't doing enough to keep its 
members safe and it's refinery safe. And they wanted other things that were not included in the framework. And what were they demanding exactly? So a number of things, increase in pay, better health care benefits, and what they said were not enough attention for the hours that workers were working. In other words, if you had a worker that was there too long, they would get tired, they wouldn't be able to focus on their job and keep it safe. Right Now, I will say this, the proposals that went back and forth between the union and the refinery were never released. There's never been any sort of document that we've seen that says, here are the various proposals. This has all come from interviews with USW Local 5 folks. This is not from Chevron. This is not the the National Union. This Mm -hmm. is from uh, one of the folks who was involved in the negotiations. So we don't have all of the specifics. You were covering the strike when it was happening. What was it like? Like, what happened during that time? What was the mood? Environmentalists, politicians, members of Congress came onto the picket line. There was a significant amount of press. This was a national story. Reuters was doing stories about it regularly. We were covering it at KQED. We did a story about how Chevron had paid police departments in Richmond and in San Pablo to you know, direct traffic, to be in the area in case there were problems. A number of people who lived near the refinery were upset that it was so loud. USW Local 5 workers had said we're concerned that the replacement workers, they call them scabs, and the managers that were not walking off the job, that were not members of the union, didn't have the right skills to run the refinery or the know-how to run it safely. Actually, during the time of the strike, there were a number of flaring incidents, and we've talked about that on this program. That's when there may be a malfunction and the refinery needs to send gases to its flares. That was their argument, that people who are running the refinery just, you know, aren't doing a good enough job. How did the strike end? The strike lasted for 10 weeks. That really began to take a toll on the workers. And in large part, I think they had just, you know, had enough of not getting their paychecks. Through a slim majority, they reached a tentative agreement that included a bump in pay, some help on their health benefits, but not really a lot. In the weeks that followed afterward, the USW local workers returned, there was orientation at the refinery, and there were still replacement workers at the facility when they came back. Did the workers get what they wanted? In large part, no. You know, it boiled down to um, a measly 5% bump on a COLA cost of living allowance, and then also, you know, helping us out on our medical. V.K. White was a top union negotiator during the strike, and he is vice president of USW Local 5. So it was really hard during the strike to maintain a strike, to get your message across, and to negotiate. He acknowledged that they didn't really get as much as they wanted. And I think after a while, a lot of them just felt like, okay, we need to get back on the line. So as a union, we tried to get just something that would convince our people to go back in. We wanted our people to keep working. We wanted our people to be treated with dignity. A lot of them felt like they wanted to strike longer. You know, the the reporting that came out indicated that it was a slim majority of members that voted to ratify it. So not everybody was happy with it. But yeah, I think that they really acknowledged that, you know, they did not gain a lot from this strike. What was the mood 
when they got back to work. Well, according to the union, they've said that Chevron has said to them, let's move on, let's make up, we're all on the same team, that that was the direction they had gotten from their managers. But in reality, according to the USW, they felt like they were being pushed to the side right away, that they were being asked to train non-union workers how to do their job, and that they were getting pushback from managers and, and felt like they were being punished for walking off the job. And BK White talked about this. Tensions were high. Um, and it seemed that it appeared to us that we were being provoked. That we were being provoked. And that takes us to this latest story, which you've reported on for KQED. The union is saying that Chevron has fired workers for their union activities and their role in the walkouts. How many people have been fired and when? So two workers, according to the USW, were fired during the strike. Three in the months afterward were fired after the walkout. In the last week or so, after our story came out, the union says that five more workers were fired. They say they're looking into whether or not they think, they, they haven't made this argument yet, that the extra workers that have lost their jobs in the last couple of weeks were fired also because of their union activities or something connected to the strike. They will say that it is odd and not often that this number of workers would be fired so close together. Well, what do we know about who was fired? So the first five, most of them were union leaders and most of them were safety operators. The main person, and this is the focal point of our story, is BK White. He was the person who spoke to the press. He was the most well-known USW local member during the strike. And in October, he was fired. I understood taking a position and fighting such a big company that there would be repercussions. He's worked there for 29 years. And the impression I got from him is that he knew it would be possible. He knew that, you know, poking Chevron could get him into trouble. Did he think he would lose his job? You know, possibly. I've never been a victim. I willfully went in to represent my people. I didn't think I did anything wrong. I didn't think I did anything worthy of termination. But, you know, big corporations like that don't like being challenged. He has gone out of his way to convince folks that the narrative really is not about him, that it's about the people that he was representing. My life is good because my worth was not oil. My worth was people. So, I mean, we're talking about people who are sort of the faces of the strike, right? Like the voices of the strike. Is the union basically saying that Chevron fired these workers because they were leaders in the strike? And that would be illegal, right? That is something that the USW has filed with the NLRB. They filed charges with the Federal Labor Agency. Initially, the NLRB began to look into these claims. It is against law to fire somebody for their union activities. And before that process could get going, Chevron and the USW said, instead of having federal regulators look into this, we're going to go through this in our own arbitration process. What that means is 
They will make arguments before an arbitrator. The arbitrator will then decide, was this an okay firing or was it not? If it was an okay firing, nothing happens. We move on. The USW local workers who lost their jobs will con continue not working at Chevron. If the arbitrator finds in favor of the union, that means that those workers that lost their jobs will get their jobs back with back pay. Has Chevron said anything in response? I imagine they would deny this is retaliation, right? Chevron issued a statement to us uh, for our story. And, you know, they were pretty adamant about saying that they do not retaliate against employees for striking or engaging in any protected union activity. In fact, that's the actual language that they used. They said that they do not discuss the details of individual personnel issues. We asked them a number of questions. You know, how many workers did Chevron fire during and after the strike? They didn't answer that specifically. Were there replacement workers? Are there still replacement workers at the refinery now? They didn't uh, answer that. But they said they respect the right of employees to express their views in a manner that is consistent with all applicable laws and collective bargaining agreements. I think you can tell I am reading right there from their statement. Um, so they say basically we're not breaking the law. We're not bringing revenge against union employees who walked off the job. But we're not going to go into specifics about any particular person that may or may not have lost their job who may or may not have been connected to the strike. So earlier we were talking about BK White. Um, what is he doing now? What's he up to? After BK White got fired in October, he ended up getting hired by the new mayor of Richmond, Eduardo Martinez. I love it. You know, um, I'm working for people who are, and, and with people who are trying to better someone's life. And it's such a change after 29 years of working with someone who, who uh, just used people um, as a means to an end. He is now a top policy aide to the new mayor and according to the chief of staff of Mayor Martinez is expected to play a role in figuring out how to eventually transition oil workers at the refinery in Chevron to a you know a different cleaner greener uh, economy in the future. We've talked to you a few times about not just the conditions of these refineries, but also the role of local politics in what happens at these refineries. And I guess it's interesting that BK White now works for the new mayor of Richmond, Eduardo Martinez. What is the political context of this story? And do you think it's different from the last time we talked to you about this? Yeah, I do. You know, not only is the new mayor of Richmond a longtime critic of the Chevron refinery, but the mayors of the other refinery towns in the Bay Area, that's Benicia, where Valero is, and Martinez, where Marathon and PBF are located, have also said critical things about the refineries in ways that, you know, I think may have not been the case in the past. The kind of remarks that those three mayors are making definitely seem like there is now a different political climate. I think in large part, elected leaders have begun to increasingly listen to frontline communities who want more regulations from the oil industry in their backyard. Ted, thank you. Thank you.
That was Ted Goldberg, supervising senior editor for KQED News. This 21-minute conversation with Ted was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this one and added all the tape. If you're new to the Bay, what's up? Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we bring you big and small local news stories from all corners of the Bay. We're all about storytelling the news, breaking it up and breaking it down, preparing you for that next dinner party where you can sound all smart and rooted in where you live, etc., etc. Subscribe so you never miss a beat on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Thanks so much for tuning in. Peace. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.